I'm going to make a reference to one verse in Jeremiah. You can be turning, if you will, this morning to Genesis. Just turn to Genesis, if you will, chapter 28. I'll be going there in just a moment. Genesis 31 and verse 2 is the premise verse that we're using for a few sermons that I've been preaching on and I'll be looking at and praying about sharing with you in the days to come. You know how I am with series, I'm in and out. And uh, this has been one of those series that I've entitled Grace in the Wilderness. And we find in Jeremiah 31 two, thus saith the Lord, the people which were left of the sword found grace in the wilderness. That's the premise for this entire series. For those of you that were here on Wednesday night, you know that I dealt with Hagar and her wilderness experience. And sometimes the wilderness is a literal place in the Bible, but sometimes it's also an emotional place in the word of God as well. And I know there's some today that you feel like you're in a wilderness. And I talked on Wednesday night how God can give us a dream, but for the dream to be fulfilled, you've got to survive the night. And during that time of nighttime, it seems like a wilderness oftentimes. And with Hagar, Hagar gave, uh, was given a promise by God and was given a son by God. It wasn't God's intended plan that Sarah had. Sarah was to conceive and bring forth Isaac, but instead we know that she gave Hagar, her handmaid, to Abraham and she conceived, had a son, Ishmael. And then eventually Abraham sends her out into the wilderness, sends her with a bottle of water, some bread, sends her on her way. The water is spent. So she has her, her child, her dream in her hands. She takes her dream and casts it under a shrub. She goes a bow shot of distance away, turns her back on her dream and she cannot stand to watch her dream die. But then God hears the cry of the lad, the child, which is the dream. The dream cries out. And the Lord answers because the dream didn't die. God opened her eyes to see what she needed was right there, a well. She gave the lad water to drink. And God allowed the dream to live. And the dream lived in the wilderness according to the word of God. That's a picture of you and I how God gives us a dream sometimes, but we're going through this time where it's not fulfilled yet. Whatever you do, you've got to understand, don't cast your dream away. Don't throw your dream away. Your dream's not going to die if it's given from God. God will cause it to come to pass and God will fulfill all. So with that, I left you on Wednesday night. Now, tonight, or today rather, in chapter 28, we see another dreamer. And this particular dreamer, his name is Jacob, and he experiences an unusual dream. When we get to this passage, we know that Jacob has deceived his father for the blessing. Rebekah's mother has guided Jacob in the way to do it. While his brother Esau was out hunting for venison for his father to prepare food, she came up with a plan and devised a plan for Jacob to deceive his father to get the blessing. He receives the blessing, but now he knows that Esau will be angry with him. So he flees into the wilderness. Now, how do you get that he's in the wilderness, preacher? Well, look in verse 10. The Bible says, and Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran. 
Do you know that the word Beersheba means well of seven oaths or well of oath? And Haran, the word Haran means a dry place, a barren place, or parched land. So he's on his way to a dry place. That's the wilderness. He's on his way to the wilderness and he's leaving a well. He exchanges the well for the wilderness. Sometimes God will lead us in a path that we'll think this is dry. I don't know if I'm gonna survive it. I don't know if I'm gonna make it through it. But on his way, he stops and he stops at a particular place. Verse 11, he lighted upon a certain place, tearing there all night, because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed and behold a ladder set upon the earth and the top of it reached to heaven and behold the angels of God ascending and descending on it. Go down to verse 18. God gives him a promise in the dream, but at verse 18, and Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows, underline the word pillows, and set it up for a pillar, underline the word pillar, and poured oil, underline the word poured, upon the top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel, but the name of the city was called Luz at first. Let's go on over now and fast forward 20 years, if you will, to Genesis chapter 37, or Genesis chapter 35 and verse seven. Genesis chapter 35 and verse seven. God told him now, 20 years later, it's time to go back to Bethel, the place where you received the dream. And the Bible says in verse seven, and he built there an altar and called the place El Bethel. And because there God appeared unto him when he fled from the face of his brother. Verse 10, and God said unto him, thy name is Jacob. Thy name shall not be called any more Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel. Now I know that that's covering a lot of scripture in a short period of time. But if you would allow me not to paraphrase, but to take literally from those scriptures and tell you what to do with a dream that God has given to you when you're in the wilderness. Some people say, how do I know that that dream is from God? How do I know that that's what God really wants? There is a difference between your mind working when you're asleep and a dream from God. A dream from God always has a purpose and it always has a plan of God revealed in it. And it will always be for God's glory. If you're just dreaming of, of the night and you say, I had a dream and I woke up a billionaire, you are dreaming. <laughs> Let me assure you that. But if you have a dream in the night where God says, I am going to allow you to go to a certain place where I'm going to use you to do a particular job, then you'll know it's more than just you ate too much before you went to bed. And that's the difference between the two. The dream from God, the dream that in the last days, you know your, your old men will dream dreams, your young men will see visions. Those dreams, those visions always have to do with the building for God and for God's glory. So here we have him seeing this dream and he has this dream. Three things I ask you to mark. 
First of all, let's look at the pillow that he had. There are pillows in the, in the plural because he took more than just one stone. He had multiple stones to lie on. So first we see the pillow. He lays his head on the pillow. Now let me tell you how to get a dream from God. The first thing is your head's gotta be on the rock. I think we can shout it out right there. I mean, you're not gonna hear from God if you're not laying on the rock. Who's the rock? The Bible says that rock is Christ, which followed them. Do you remember the New Testament example we have of that? It's the Last Supper. Jesus is with his disciples, and as they're there together, we have this one named John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And here's John laying on the chest, on the breast of Jesus. And Peter looks at John, and he says to Jesus, what shall this man do? Jesus looks back at him and he says, what if it, what is it to thee if he tarry till I come? Follow thou me. Do you know what he was saying politely? Peter, you've got a big enough job taking care of Peter. You let me take care of John. And in reality, we have a big enough job taking care of ourselves that we don't need to be worrying about everybody else and all the wrongs that they're doing and all the bad choices that they make. I can't help what I others do, but I can't help what I do. And I have to consciously make a decision like John to fall in love with Jesus, to say, Lord, as long as I'm leaning on you, as long as I'm relying on you, you'll show me where to go. You'll tell me what to do. All of my strength comes from the fact I lean on you, Jesus, for everything. What do you do in the wilderness? You lean on Christ. You can't run from him. You can't can't deny him, don't turn your back on him, just love him and lean on him. And the more the pressure comes, lean on him harder than you've ever leaned, love him more than you've ever loved him because that's the way he communicates with us. So we see the rock, that's important. Jesus asked Peter, who do you say that I am? He said, some men say you're Jeremiah. Some say you're Elias. He said, but who do you say that I am? He said, I say that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my father that's in heaven. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. He was not building the church on Peter. He was building the church on Peter's testimony as to who he is. Let's get this right. The church isn't built on me and it's not built on you. I mean, he uses all of us, but the church is built on Jesus. The reason why he's the rock. If it's built on us, when we're gone, it's over. But can I tell you, the rock is always there. The, the precious stone, that the cornerstone that the builders rejected, he's there building his church. He'll continue to build his church. You say, why, preacher, I'm seeing all these poles. The church in America is going the other way. But 
That's where you're wrong. It's not the church of America. It's the church of the world. And if America refuses to trust the Lord and to reach others and tell others about Jesus, he'll get his number somewhere. He'll move on Africa. He'll move on Asia. He'll move on every other continent. And he'll move until people will begin to see their need of Christ. It is his church. It is for his glory. That's why we have to build the church on Christ. Here's the key. If you don't build your life on Jesus, you'll never have heavenly dreams. But if you lay your head on the rock, the rock will still be there. Even when you're gone, the rock is still there. Here's the amazing thing. He takes the same stone that was his pillow And the Bible says he took the pillow and said it's no longer a pillow. Now it's a pillar. The pillow becomes the pillar. The place that he laid his head now becomes the foundation for him to build on. Until you first see Christ for who he is, you don't have anything to build on. All ground is sinking sand unless you come by faith to the rock. And then when you hear from heaven, nothing will change your mind. Now, now I do want to say this to you. He will try to get you to change your mind. And he will... He will take you through a wilderness experience, the devil will, and try to tell you it's not worth it. But once that you've settled this in your mind that this is what God wants. And once you have that, that was a pillow to become a pillar, everything else around you may be dissolving, but you'll be assured of one fact, that you are where God wants you and doing what God wants you to do. And you cannot change your mind about it. He is the solid ground that we're building on. We're not building on sinking sand. I'm doing what he wants me to do. I'm where he wants me to be. I know that he loves me. I know that I'm fighting a battle. But there's some things that that simply the devil cannot take from us. And that is the pillow that becomes a pillar. There are, for lack of better words, in layman's terms, old down this enormous building. This enormous building really rests on pillars that come from the foundation. And if you don't have those, there's nothing there to carry the weight of a building like this. It would crumble. And I want to tell you, if you don't get a vision from heaven and of heaven, if you don't have that in the depths of your soul, when everything else is crashing in, you don't have anything solid to rely on and you'll feel like everything is falling apart. Do you know why? Do you know why I enjoyed doing what I do? And I do, I enjoy it. Can you tell? Good. (laughs) Because I can't expect you to enjoy it if I don't enjoy it. 
You know why I enjoy doing what I do? Because I know what I'm called to do. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not attacked by things. You can be attacked by sickness. You can be attacked by finances. You can be attacked by loneliness. You can be attacked by lies. I mean, you can be attacked by all types of things. Just because maybe you're not a preacher doesn't mean that you're not attacked. You're, you're attacked just as much as I am. But when you get to that place that you say, but wait a minute, I've got something solid here that I'm building my life on. I believe this book so much. I have poured everything I could possibly pour into it. I don't know how I could pour any more. I'm not saying that just to make you say, oh, poor cow, don't you pity me. I'm having the time of my life. Time and time again. And you know, just to have that little little assurance that when the devil fights, wait a minute, I called you. I put you there. Keep your eyes on heaven. He saw a ladder. The top of it reached into heaven. I'm not there yet, but I'm looking for it. The angels are descending, ascending and descending. They're taking our prayers up and the answer's back. And from that, we build a pillar in our life. If you build your life on anything else except Jesus, it will vanish. So we have the pillow. We have the pillar. But then notice the pouring out. The pouring of oil. See, once he realized the same rock that I laid my head on is now the pillar that I can build on. But on top of that, why did he pour it on top of that? Well, when you pour oil on top of something, it runs down over everything else. Now, I don't expect you to say amen to this. And I don't expect you to tell on yourself. But I do think there's a whole lot of people that you've been guilty of it just like me Maybe I didn't prepare myself as much as I should before I came to a church service. And maybe I didn't quite pray as much as I should have prayed before I got here. And maybe I didn't come expecting quite as much as what I should have been expecting. But then you sat down in a church service by that special person that has been praying and has come expecting. And all of a sudden God pours it out on them by the bucket load. And it's running off of them and guess what? It's dripping down on you. If you start at the top, that's why he said he started at the head of Aaron and the oil went down to the hem or skirts of his garment. The oil flows down over everything. And, and I think that that's also a picture of the fact not only is it a picture of us as an individual, but it's also a picture of the church of the living God. You can't expect a live church when you've got a dead pastor. Someone contacted me this week and they are so frustrated. And they said, I don't know whether to be happy for you all or angry for you all. He, he said, I, I watched Sunday night service, live stream. 
<laughs> and he said, Sunday morning, we went to church and I, I don't know why, but I got obsessed. The pastor read 20 or 38 pages is what he said, 38 pages of sermon. And he said, I thought I was going to die before it was over. And then I come and I watch your service and I'm shouting everywhere and I don't know what to do. And he said, preacher, there's a lot of talk. Some's even saying, maybe we ought to just throw the preacher out. I said, oh no, don't do that. And he said, what? I said, pray the Holy Ghost on him. Pray the Spirit falls on him. I said, if the Spirit falls on him, it'll change your old church. Now it doesn't hinge on one person. I'm just saying when the oil is poured out, we all benefit from it. And when it starts with the Lord, Jesus said it started with me. He said, for I have been anointed. Thank God, he is the anointed one that makes it all possible. He said, I'll pray to the Father and he'll send the comforter. And thank God on the day of Pentecost, the spirit of the Lord came and he's still here pouring out blessings pouring out help, we still need that. Because the pillow becomes the pillar and then the pillar has the pouring. Now you've got something to build with. Well, how does that happen? How does the pillar when it's poured out, becomes something to build with. That's why I read the last passage I did to you. 20 years later, he said, go back. And the dreamer hears from God again. And he realizes, 20 years I've been fleeing. 20 years I've been in the wilderness. 20 years I've been in dry places. But when God got through with him, and said, you remember that pouring out of that oil? You poured the oil out on it. Now no longer is this Bethel. It is now El Bethel. In the Hebrew Bethel, the word Beth, anytime you see B-E-T-H, bait, Beth, anytime you see that, always think in your mind, house. It always means house. When you see the word Beth, if it's in a word of something that's been named by God, when you see Beth, it means house. He'll attach another word to it. It could be house of grace or house of mercy. But in this case, it's Beth El. Anytime you see El in your Bible, it's always God. So what he built when he took the pillow, made it a pillar, poured out oil on it, it became, he named it, the house of God. But when he went back, the house of God now becomes El Bethel. El means what? God. Beth means what? El means what? El means what? Beth means what? El means what? El Bethel. El Beth. El. He made God the God of the house of God. Amen. He became the God of the house of God. There are churches 
all around the world that they build a house of God. We call it a church, but it is just a house of God until the God of the house of God comes and takes over. And when the, when the God of the house of God comes, not only does the name change for that, but he said, you're no longer Jacob, you're now Israel. You're no longer the deceiver. I'm changing your name from here on out. Do you know what happens every time the God of the house of God shows up and we see him, there's a change that takes place. The wilderness is behind us, the refreshment comes. Everything looks different when God is the God in the house of God. You'll have wilderness experiences. But if you're here today and you need a dream and you may already be in a wilderness, get your head on the rock. When you hear from God, Take the rock and build a pillar and pray. Lord, pour the oil out and make it so that God can be the God of the house of God. They'll come get a song of invitation and if you're here today, and, and, and I, wanna, I wanna make this as clear as I can make it. There's some people today that it's not because you've done wrong, it's not because you've sinned or you're living some ungodly life. It's just a part of life when you're serving the Lord. Sometimes you get these dreams from God, but then you go through these wilderness experiences. It's tough, it's hard, but you need to know the dream's not dead because the God that gave the dream isn't dead and he's not gonna die, he's gonna live forever. So what you have to do is you have to come and say, Lord, right here, I'm gonna make this altar my pillow and while I'm laying on my pillow, I'm gonna take my pillow and build that altar into a pillar in my mind. And Lord, while I'm here with my pillow on this pillar, pour out your spirit to encourage me, to help me. Because you are the God of the house of God. Amen.